Kimelo Mutine on SAFM. Okay, so we're tracking the coronavirus and Minister Zulim Kize yesterday, the Minister of Health, announced that SA's cum, uh, cumulative uh, cases, COVID cases, had increased to 12,000, 12,000, just 12,000 plus, um, and to 1,333, um, no, 1,003,000 um, cases as well. So COVID deaths at the moment, we are looking at 37,105. We're not looking good at all, um, and we are seeing a very minimal a decrease in infections since there has been a lockdown. Uh, Professor um, Beatrim Fielding, Director of Research Development at the University of the Western Cape and virologist specializing in COVID-19, joins us now on the line. A very good afternoon and thank you so much for making the time to talk to us again, Prof. Welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Pamela, and good afternoon to the listeners. So, Prof, we, we need to talk about the vaccines. Um, you know, some, some countries have started rolling out the vaccines. What we are hearing are, are some of the, the effects of the vaccines. Of course, we've got different types of vaccines, and perhaps what we need to maybe talk about are the side effects of these vaccines. Can we begin there? So, Pamela, if you look at the data that's available from the CDC, the WHO, and in certain cases, um, scientific publications, mm-hmm. there, there are side effects, very, very, very few um, major side effects. And it, the majority of side effects are really those that is associated with other um, vaccines as well. So soreness at the site of the injection, um, maybe not feeling great, your body hurts, but your muscles hurt a bit. So it is, it is a fairly minor side effects that have been reported. Mm-hmm. What's your take on the, the 29 people who have said to have died in Norway after being administered with the Pfizer vaccine? So unfortunately, it's not just in Norway. There are reports from other countries as well. Mm. Um, these must be investigated, obviously. It appears as though it is still the older um, mm. uh, patients that have died. Mm-hmm. But we also need to keep in mind that uh, we've said continuously that these vaccines are not silver bullets. Mm-hmm. Remember, for all the vaccines, you have an initial shot and then one about a month later. Yes. It takes about two weeks, three weeks after the first shot for your body to start building um, immunity, antibodies, so then you become protected. So somebody could still be infected um, during that two weeks. Not everybody will be protected even after the second shot. And then people could be infected before they receive the first shot. And if you then get the shot, it will not protect you from that infection that you do have. Okay. So there are many, many possibilities, and it really has to be investigated. Prof, what do we know? So much comes through every single day, um, particularly with this new variant. For, in, for, for the infection of, of younger people, what do we know so far? Pamela, I've seen some figures that are, cl- that, that are claiming that it is not, uh, younger people are not more at risk of being infected by this variant. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I think is happening is the numbers of young people um, in closer contact with each other. Um, but others are saying, as you correctly point out, that maybe younger people are um, more susceptible, so they can catch this virus easier now. If this virus spread is more efficient, then it could make sense. Because right at the start, we said, 
the difference between old and young people is not just the immune system, but also the distribution of the receptor, mm-hmm. the protein in the cell, on top of the cell where the virus attaches to. Mm-hmm. So I know there are various groups looking at this, and it would be very interesting to see what the, the final findings and conclusions are. Mm. Can I ask you something that maybe you know, we've been speaking just now around children going back to school? I know a few times you you raised the issue of not sure about the strategies that we are taking of total shutdowns and lockdowns. I mean, what are your thoughts on, on how we should be managing ourselves during this time? So, Pamela, you know uh, from the data that children can be infected and children can spread the virus. We do know that very, very, very seldomly they become severely ill. Uh, There are some very compelling studies, and I listened to to some of your callers. Mm. There are some very compelling studies that are saying we shouldn't be closing the schools because, number one, poorer kids, Mm. um, and typically overseas they are saying Hispanics and African Americans, Mm. um, the the loss in education Mm. they carry throughout their life, from a virus standpoint, if you look at South Africa, where are the teachers and, the, and the, the, the scholars, the learners, infected in their communities? Mm-hmm. So, so there are some one or two compelling studies that are saying closing schools doesn't solve the problem because the kids are, are infected in their communities. Mm-hmm. What are we doing in those communities mm-hmm. to minimize the spread? And then we could open schools um, and have all the, the measures or to to minimize the spread in schools. Okay. Prof, as usual, I'm going to open the line so that people can ask you whatever questions they have uh, around the coronavirus. And you've been our go-to for a while. Thank you again for that, I must say. That's a um, pleasure. 011-714-2006. You can send a, vo- a voice note on 0614-104-107. Professor Fielding is with us and he can take your calls now. And any questions you have on COVID-19, he'll answer whatever he can on the subject until 2. Life Happens with Pinelo Modine. I'm chatting to Professor Beatrum Fielding. He's a Director of Research Development at the University of the Western Cape. He's a virologist specializing in COVID-19. He's been our go-to for a while since we've uh, come across this uh, this really, really terrible uh, virus that we are all faced with at the moment. Prof, we are going to ask you the big question. Your take on ivermectin. There are some very compelling studies that I've seen. Um, small studies, yes, but those studies are taken together um, and standardized and analyzed. It looks as though there is some value in ivermectin. For all of these drugs, um, I've never been a proponent of using it as a prophylaxis, okay. meaning using it before you catch the disease. Mm-hmm. I think all of these really should uh, could be uh, ivermectin plus the, the blood thinners mm-hmm. and the steroids needs to be used in, in severe cases. Okay, but um, th- that's that's the big thing. At which stage would you then do this where they, they will be effective? And it's, so so that is the, the million rand question. Yeah. And it is, we've discussed this before as well. Um, researchers have identified who is at risk. So we know typically above 55s with comorbidities. Mm. We know that if you have breathing problems or you have delirium or you're confused or you're dizzy, then it shows there is some really organ involvement. Then your medical practitioner could, could start prescribing those. 
Only this morning, I spoke to somebody and I said, as soon as you have breathing problems, that is when you need to contact your medical, your, your primary um, healthcare provider, or go to hospital. People are waiting too long, um, so by the time they, they get to the medical facility, it's very often almost too late to mm. use any of these um, medications. Mm. So I've seen some reports in the media saying ivermectin is not safe. That is not true. It is in the USA, for instance, it's been approved by the FDA for animal usage and human usage. What is true is that it is not approved for human usage yes. in South Africa. Yes. So people are using um, ivermectin meant for animals. Mm. They're self-prescribing and injecting it or ingesting it themselves. That is dangerous. Mm. Okay. Let's take calls. As I said, we will. Member of Parliament, Mr. Ahmed Sheikh Imam. Thank you so much for calling. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to your listeners and to Professor Day. Good afternoon. Uh, yeah, can I go ahead? Go ahead. Yes, thank you, Prof. In any case, I've just found that the NHI has also approved it to use for COVID-19. That's ivermectin. But I'm, I'm concerned about the conflicting advice and statements we are getting. Initially, when the infections were low, mm-hmm. Professor Karim said it was not safe to send the children to school. When the infections were high, he said it was safe to send the children to school. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you, children should be in school. However... Majority of these children travel by public transport, almost sitting on top of each other. There is no social distancing, nothing taking place in these public transport and things. Now, my question is, you get them to social distance in classrooms, in schools. You're defeating the purpose because, you know, they are actually committing suicide by going to school, particularly in these public transports. Now, that is my concern. How do we prevent this to ensure that children who very easily get infected with this virus, even though it might not be as uh, fatal to children, but very easily they transmit it, they take it back home, and there's older people at home who will get it, will be infected, and which can become fatal. Now, that's what my concern is. Maybe you can advise on that, Professor. What, Thank you. What are your thoughts around children who are in the streets anyway, um, not wearing masks and playing um, together with other children at close proximity? It is a serious problem in terms of compliance. The complacency in South Africa is unbelievable. We have highlighted this repeatedly. There's no point in making regulation after regulation if you cannot ensure that people are compliant. And I agree with Professor that the super spreaders, I mean, I've taken a drive just to watch last night on the beachfront uh, on a Sunday yesterday in Durban, and you'll be shocked with what you can actually see there. Mm. So the problem is, is that I know there are different issues, and we need to deal with them. There should be a high level of compliance and law enforcement. Not only the South African police, they can't do this. This is not within their domain. All of us should be public representatives that are getting paid with 600 billion rand a year. We all should be in the forefront of assisting to work together to make sure people are compliant on the ground. Mm. Prof, some of the concerns uh, from Sheikh uh, Ahmed, um, Sheikh Imam, sorry, I beg your pardon. Uh, what, what are your comments on that? Dr. Sheikh Mumas is correct, uh, Pumelo. It comes down to social responsibility and every member of the public taking that responsibility. Uh, the risk for kids in public transport is very real, but it's the same level of risk that our workers who travel to, to work yes. every yes. morning have to face. So we, we cannot stop the spread of this virus. It's really how do we minimize it? So even those kids 
Have them sanitize before they get onto that, onto the bus or the minibus. Have them wear their masks. Open the windows, make sure there's proper airflow. Anybody who's ill, keep them home. Social responsibility. And how do we minimize the spread? All right. Johnson, uh, you're calling from Welcome High. Hello, Johnson. The age, the, the age distribution in schools is not necessarily all those who are not at risk. And so I think that's, it, 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 it's not good to make a sweeping statement that uh, schools should be kept open because we've got grades for anything from grade 7 and upwards. I'm sure are obviously at risk of, of directly getting COVID. And the, your teachers are coming from the same community, and they may be the ones who are actually introducing it to the school. So closing of school may not be necessarily because we are, the children are, they are, they are, they are protected, but we've got adults who actually go there. And sometimes the, 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 you know, the lacks behavior of adults can be seen in schools as well. So, so, so what, what's your is, take then? What, what, you know, what do you think would be the best way forward? My, the way, best way forward, in, in a situation where the experts have analyzed and said the school should be closed, let's just adhere to that. That's where we are now. But to say, no, it's not necessary to close the schools, I think it's just a sweeping statement. Are you, Johnson, are you making a distinction between experts and politicians? Pardon? Are you making a distinction between experts and politicians? Experts and who? And poli- po- politicians, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the experts give the advice based on the age groups that are there. In schools, we know they are, they are teenagers. And teenagers are not at all, uh, they are not exempt from getting the disease. Yeah, and but so what, what we, I'm trying to get at is that I'm speaking mm, to an expert. That's what I'm trying to say. You're speaking to what? The, the person we're speaking to now is, is one of the experts. That we're try, that's what we're trying to tell you. No, but, but the problem is, does he, does he look at the, the point where... School children are not necessarily all safe. He can answer that question. Prof, go ahead. Very valid point, Johnson. Thank you for that. If you look at global figures, under 19, the infection rates are very, very low. Mortality rates or death rates for under 19, all the way down to newborns, less than 0.6% the last time that I saw. So the risk for all kids in, and in South Africa, it's under 18s, but internationally, the figure goes up to under 19s. The risk is extremely low. So I, uh, the, my biggest concern is these educators and kids are not being infected in schools. They are being infected in their communities. So we really need to start with minimizing the spread in those communities. Yeah. Always, uh, thank you so much, uh, Professor Fielding, for making the time to talk to us. We'll be back with you again soon. I, I think we will thank you, we need to continue. Thank you so much, Professor Beatrum Fielding, Director of Research Development at the University of the Western Cape. He's a virologist specializing in COVID-19. As usual, it's not over because uh, we still have many questions. So we'll we'll bring him back as soon as we can. Two o'clock. Let me go to Nandika Bukas for the latest in SABC News.